Hi, it's Phil, and welcome to this week's edition of A Life That's Good podcast. All right, then, here we go. I am really looking forward to this week's conversation. I have known this guy for more than uh, five decades. We first met when I was just a kid growing up on Mary Street in Goderich. His nephew, Neil Sager, lived right across the street and was my best bud. In the winter, Neil and I spent a lot of time playing road hockey, and in the summer, we spent a lot of time hanging around at his grandparents' farm, catching frogs in the creek, and watching his Uncle Glenn milk cows. These days, many people know Glenn and Vanda McNeil for their dairy operation, Heather Home Holsteins. Many more, though, now know Glenn as the warden of Huron County, at least for the past three years. We are going to chat about the old days a little bit. Glenn's parents, who were just lovely people, Cliff and Evelyn, the family. Succession planning, an important thing to farmers these days. Some things that make farm life good. And some of the changes that have happened in farming since I first knew the McNeil family more than 50 years ago. Wow. Warden Glenn and Vanda McNeil this week on A Life That's Good. Vanda and Glenn McNeil are here. Uh, Glenn McNeil, I've known you for a really long time. Absolutely. It's been a privilege to always have known you right from a young child, Phil. When I was a kid growing up on Mary Street, I think I was 10, 11 years old. Your nephew, Neil Sager, lived across the street from me with my best friend. And we spent a lot of our summers on the farm getting in the way while you were trying to milk cows <laughs> and catching frogs in the creek and enjoying some of the best country cook. I remember your mom... Evelyn? Correct. Her cooking, like on a Tuesday afternoon for lunch, it was like roast beef dinner you, with all the fixing. It. it was the best. Yeah, you got it. We're always happy to have you there, and you and Neil were good buds. Oh, we were. Uh, those are good memories for me. Absolutely. They really are. Absolutely. Great childhood memories. You were just a boy, too, though. Oh, totally. Like, totally. How old would you have been? What were you, should oh, just, I ask what year you were born? I don't just know. A, just, I would be a young pup at that stage in time. But milk and cows and work in the family farm. Yes, yes. Uh, for your mom and dad. Were yep. your mom and dad from here always born and raised in this area? Yes, they were, actually. My mom was from Godrich Township, and my dad uh, was born and raised in Colburn Township just by the airport right. in Godrich. right. And actually, uh, Dad's mother, so my grandmother, Dad's mom passed away when he was two, and his dad when he was seven. Oh, my. And so there was two in the family, Uncle Doug and, and Dad, and so they were raised with two different families because at that point in time, one family couldn't afford to raise two children. So my dad was raised by an uncle, and my Uncle Doug was raised by an aunt. Wow. And you know, they they've both farmed separately they owned their own farms however they always worked together their whole life and throughout their life until each day they last drew breath they never had a disagreement or an argument with each other because they always valued each other because that's all they had at one point in time hmm. cliff and evelyn how do you know how they met uh, yes i do actually at the goddard fair at the goddard oh, fall fair wow yeah it was love at first yeah, sight kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it was. It was. Dad walked across the dance floor to ask Mom to dance, and that's how it started. Never looked back. Uh, family, how many brothers and sisters? 
Well, I have a few of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Helen would be the eldest in our family. Neil's and, mom. Yeah, Neil's yeah. mom. And then my brother, Bob, he, he was a dairy farmer, lives up at Hanover now. And then next in the family would be brother Don, and he was also in the farming business. And then he got smart and moved down to St. Thomas. <laughs> yeah. And he liked to drive trucks, so he drove a truck for uh, a lot of his life, delivering car parts to Windsor. And then uh, they saved the best of the last, so I'm the youngest. You're the baby in the family. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and still farming. And the same with Vanda. She's the baby in her family. So. Really? She's yeah. determined not to talk, but we're going to stick a microphone over oh, yeah. there at some oh, yeah. point and get her voice on here. Perfect. So how many years have you been farming then? A lot of them. Yes. Uh, I was born and raised in the farm. And then when Vanda and I were married in 78, uh, we actually, uh, I bought into the business in 77 and bought half the herd of cows and half the quota from my dad. And he suggested that I go in partnership with my brother, and I preferred to be on our own with Vanda. Mm -hmm. And so we split the herd at that time, and we built a dairy barn in 77, and then Vanda and I uh, uh, operated that from 77 until 2013. And then our son, we have two children. Katie is an athletic uh, director in uh, University of Manitoba, and she loved cows. She loved sports more. And so her husband is a professor at the University of Manitoba, and they live there. And our son, Curtis, was very interested in farming, and he traveled the world preparing dairy cattle at shows all over the world. And in 2013, he expressed an interest uh, to Van and I to come into the farming business with us. Mm -hmm. So we did a succession plan in 2013 to bring our son into the business. So that formed Heather Home Farms, Inc., that uh, is currently in partnership with uh, Van and I and Curtis and Kathy. Before we started to record today, we were talking a little bit um, off mic about succession planning and the future. Would you like to get into a little bit on that? Absolutely. I'd love to, Phil. Transition or succession is so important to transition businesses to the next generation. There is only 14% of the businesses in Huron County that have a written succession plan to transfer it to the next generation. And it's so vital because the older generation needs to know what their future is and how they'll be provided for when they don't have as much income out of the business as they traditionally have had. And the next generation needs to know where they're going to be at. Is it going to be sold out from underneath them? Do they have ownership? What's their future? So when you have it written in place, then everyone knows what's going to happen, how the farm's going to be transitioned. And that includes siblings that are not involved in the business. And that is very, very important. So when I pass, there'll be no surprises. Everyone knows what's going on as far as the transition of the business and how Katie will be looked after. And fair is not equal. Hmm. Truth. Those are words of wisdom. So while we're on the topic, um, are, are you going to this or just Vanda's going? Is this Vanda's baby? We are both going You're to You're both that. going. Absolutely. It's very important that the family uh, be involved in this. Do you want to talk a little bit about, um, I, I said this, and I'm holding a postcard up to the microphone. <laughs> I'm like sure everyone can, can see that. Eh? <laughs> yeah. For folks listening at home, Phil is holding a four by seven inch placard that says Finding Fairness in Farm Transition, which is occurring November 16th at 9.30 to 4 o'clock p.m. in Godridge, Ontario. 
And what's that all about? So Elaine Fries is uh, coming from Manitoba in November to speak in Huron County. I have heard Elaine Fries speak numerous times at Holstein Canada functions or farm credit functions over the years, and she truly is one of the best. She comes from the heart. She speaks just uh, so sincerely and wants to include everyone in the conversation which is a really tough conversation for a lot of people, moms included. I think all moms really want at the end of the day is for the family members to all be able to come home at Christmas dinner and sit around that big Christmas turkey and love each other and have conversation and to be able to continue that from just that day forward and every day. And sometimes that's not always easily done because sometimes um, personalities, dynamics get caught up in the whole uh, scheme of trying to organize the business as well as uh, being able to find that balance between everyone. One of the questions I had written on on my little question sheet here is about the the future of the family farm. It, it seems as um, you know, as a town kid or a city boy, that uh, family farms are in decline. Is that true or no? No, actually, uh, the opposite is true. The family farms are not in decline. However, the size of the family farms are increasing. So by that, I mean one family in the past would own 100 acres. And at this point in time, that number is thousands of acres. And they may Mm -hmm. farm multiple thousands of acres with rented land. So the farm enterprise or the family-owned business is just getting larger. Okay. So I don't know if it's a dumb thing to say. No, there's no dumb thing. Does that make the succession... Uh, planning all that more important because there's all that much more at stake. Oh, totally. You know, when you think of the numbers that Van and I started with when we were dairying and the size of the milk check, if we had a $6,000 milk check, we could make it go around to cover the expenses. That's not the way it is today. So everything gets larger. And when you think of the value of land today and the equipment, the numbers mm-hmm. can be a little bit mind-boggling and it's just daunting is a great word and it's just a larger number to treat all family members fairly you said earlier in the conversation that katie loved cows but she loved sports more absolutely do you love cows I love cows. Yeah? I love cows. I understand. You would have to. Yeah, you're probably correct. I, I do. I, I really connect with cows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some individuals may not know what's going to happen with a cow, and it's probably ESP, but I, I've been around them <laughs> since I was knee-high to a hopper. And, and uh, yeah, you, you know how they're going to react usually, and you treat them with kindness. They all have personalities. They're all individuals. And in our farm, we treat them all as individuals, as a group. Mm-hmm. So by that, I mean that we will we keep all of the two-year-olds in one group. So okay. they've all had one calf. We keep all of the fresh cows that have had a baby in the last 30 days in one group. And we keep all of the cows that have had two or more calves in one group cows don't like to change their groups because they form a hierarchy a little like people yeah and you keep them in the same group and they they are more socially comfortable and they perform at a higher level 
they've all experienced the same. They're in the same stage of life. You got it. Then, right? You got it. The two-year-olds have all had one baby, and they're all the same age, same maturity, and they connect with each other. That's really cool. Absolutely. I remember an old old Charlie Farkerson routine. He was talking about <laughs> how, I don't know, a friend of his or some somebody, I'm paraphrasing it all, but say, that he uh, liked the music of Lawrence well, I think you call him Lawrence Squelch. Yep. He said, and we keep a picture of his sister, Raquel Squelch, on the wall of the barn because it makes the cows give more milk. And uh, are there things about the relationship that you have with cows or things that you can do to keep them calmer or more peaceful or relaxed that actually increases milk production? Oh, or is it totally, totally. Yeah. Cows love repetition. Yeah. Cows love to be bored. And by that, I mean they like the same temperature the year round. So our barn, the temperature is controlled with curtains. We have a, a freestall barn mm-hmm. that we built in 2016. So cows like temperatures anywhere from 3 degrees Celsius to 20. They don't like it above 20. And so in the summertime, like us, eh? What's wrong with that? So in the summertime, we have fans that turn on when the temperature gets to 20 degrees Celsius. And then the cows will be cooled with the amount of air that flows through the barn. And the curtains will go down as the temperature increases. And as the temperature decreases, they go up. So in the wintertime, when it's cold outside, minus 13, 15, it's 3 degrees in the barn. They love it. They love warm water. We always provide them with fresh warm water at two ends of the free stalls, so you never get a boss animal. <laughs> they love to be bored. And that actually makes them, helps them, them happy. with milk production oh, totally more? Totally it does. Totally yeah. it does. Because they like routine. They like to be fed at the same time. Mm-hmm. They like the same temperature, the same temperature of water, and they like to be milked at the same time. So cows love to be bored. And they're lying in sand. Yes, and you know, they could never have it any better. Our cows uh, lie on sand, and that is the accepted uh, best practices for bedding. So no bacteria will grow in sand. It's inorganic. So it's just like being at the beach. Do cows dust bath? Like some other animals? Yes, they do. There there are brushes in the barn that they can go under a brush to massage. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So what we have on our corner of our apartment for the cat, for the cat. that cow size. Wow. There you go. Absolutely. So Amazing. cute. Better, Ellie. I love it. Happy and cow. And I love it too. Happy milk. That's, That's right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, years ago, we used to think when a, when a cow was about to give birth or a few days in advance, you put her in a pen by herself and segregate her out and we thought we were being kind. No, you're shaking your head, Allie. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so now the cows that are going to have a baby within the next 21 days are all in a group together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll separate them out if we know they're going to have a baby in the next three, four hours. And if we're not real sure, they stay in the group and they'll have a baby in the group. They're happy. We may be bunny trailed just a little bit off the succession planning conversation. We hardly ever do that. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add, you know, pluses, minuses, and reasons why uh, you think it's important that people do this? Another advantage of a transition plan is that when we brought our son into the business, all of a sudden, I am no longer the sole decision maker in the business in concert with Vanda. Yeah. There's another person to consider 
and to discuss things with. And then over time, as Curtis takes more responsibility of the management, then it is up to myself especially to back up because you only need one person making the decision. You can have discussions on the process and advantages, however, ultimately. And that's what we want over time. So when I pass... easy for you or difficult? Oh, that was hard. That was hard. The hardest day was walking out of the uh, lawyer's office when I was no longer the decision maker of the business. Mm. Really? I have always been. (laughs) I learned something new. And that was the hardest day. Really? Giving up the ownership of decision making. However... It's what we want, because I won't always be there. And we're fortunate that Curtis is very capable of making intelligent business decisions, and Van and I are there as a support. Not all sons have that. Sometimes the older generation can become incapacitated all of a sudden Mm. without transferring on that knowledge and experience for the next generation to make the decisions. So we're very, very fortunate. It's not unlike, I mean, he is your son as well, but it's not unlike just raising kids in that your job has been their whole lives to raise them to not need you. But then when the time comes to let go, oh God, it's hard to let go. There's an adjustment. And what we've done too is Kathy has asked to be a part of the bookkeeping end of the business. And so we've transitioned Kathy into that role as well, which is really important because I always knew and I always kept a logbook and a record book to show passwords or different account numbers and such so that if one day I was incapacitated and not able to be there, that there was something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Now that Kathy's doing more of it, I, I'm not a large part of that anymore. But that's good because she's able to see those numbers. She knows where those the money's coming in, how it's going out. And that was important for her going forward as well so that she she knows you know those questions that may come forward in the future and uh, and knows where those numbers are at every month as well. So was there a lot of on-the-job training and an application process involved for you, Vanda, to become a farmer's wife in this capacity? <laughs> or how does, how does one come into this? Because it seems a little more complex than, hey, good luck, and you want to have a dance? Oh, by the way, uh, we well, have a farm, you've got to run. I was 15 when uh, when I met Glenn, and so I was married at 19 and a half. Oh, and a half. And I always say yes. a half because that was really important. And uh, so, yeah, so we get married, and uh, and I my role is to be a dairy farmer. So that was what new to me. What were you previous I was to? I grew up in a cash crop beef. So you knew the farming life. Previous to I that, knew the she farming was a child. life, but yes, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, so with dairy farming, the structure of the dairy farm, 365 days of the year, twice a day, uh, Christmas Day, that was all a little bit of a challenge for me in the beginning. However, sure. over time, you realize that, hey, that's my role, that's my life, and I wouldn't have it any other way. What do you do with the day off now? Do you ever get one? Oh, absolutely we do. And that's very, very important. And, you know, the next generation really respects the life balance between work and personal time and that sort of thing. And they try to be better at that than we were. Oh, yes. 
Totally. And Which they is are. important. And, and, you know, the, the, the best part about our whole situation is to be able to see our grandchildren morning and night. They come out to the barn before school in the morning before they get on the school bus, and they're there at night milking, and, uh, and that is the best part that uh, we can ever ask for because nice. not every grandparent has that opportunity to see their children and grandchildren every day. So. Homesteading doesn't really exist quite the same way anymore. No. no. I think we are going to go back to it. I As talked a society, about it. Have you Yeah, it? we've talked about it before, you and I, just that... Multi-generational Multi-generational homes, homes and multi-generational farms. I grew up mostly in Walkerton, but all of our summers were spent up in Concordon on the farm and a lot of weekends. And I think we got really lucky that way. Like I'm still very, very close to my grandparents. Good. But I know some people, you know, their grandkids live in a totally other province or what have you. And I, I think, I hope that we're moving back to the homesteading kind of. I think we will be over time too. And I truly believe, for example, for you guys with the grandchildren, that it's good for them. It provides that work-life balance for your kids, that they can share the raising of the kids, the rearing of the kids with you guys. And it also keeps you guys young. Absolutely Clearly, does. look at the two of you. Sure it does. It seems like a win-win all around. We did the open house for the new dairy barn that we built in uh, 2016, finished in 17, and uh, hosted that event. And then the following weekend, we switched houses with Curtis and Kathy and uh, and the children at that point in time and uh, and that was really really that was hard for me really really hard for me yeah. to move off the family farm and uh, we knew that that's what we had to do though for their well-being our well-being as well and for the family lifestyle so looking back it was it was the only way we we could do it and it's uh, it's it's working process, but right. we're getting there. And it's very important that the family be at the home farm. Right. You know, that's where the family needs to be. And, and uh, you know, Curtis will check uh, cows that are going to calve at night and that sort of thing. Van and I did that for 40 years. And now Curtis is doing that. Nice. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. And the kids you need can... to be able to check the things that go bump in the night. Sure. Yes. Exactly. And for the kids to be able to just run out to the farm and see their dad and yep. yeah, run back to the house again. So it's yeah. all good. So the name of the podcast is A Life That's Good. You have been farming Glenn and Vanda for a very long time. What in all those decades of farming, maybe an innovation in farming, something that's happened that I'm made hearing your... those heat curtains for me. Maybe that's it. But what has made <laughs> life better as a dairy farmer for you? Well, I would go back to something that... Uh, my uncle said and and that was that hydraulics so hydraulics is something that was an invention many years ago and that changed farming from being a physical hard work muscle business Mm -hmm. to something that is much more mechanized Mm. so i would concur that hydraulics the other thing would be just technology and my parents started out milking cows by hand and dad was one of the first in our area to use a milking machine to milk cows he was also one of the first to use artificial insemination for dairy cattle that come in in the 50s and embracing technology is essential to always be relevant 
and to move forward. And today, when we see the size of our farms, when we think that my parents milked by hand. I was going to say, did Cliff, with a little dad, three-legged stool? Yep, mm-hmm. did three-legged. he actually do that? He pulled the stool too. up to the. Oh, cow. absolutely! And Dad always said, "Mom was a better milker than he was." And how many cows would they've been able to? Oh, milk? they would milk up to ten cows by hand. Wow! <laughs> and then he got the milking machine. And then Van and I, when we started out in '78 and, and built the dairy barn, we used a pipeline milker, and that was pretty new technology at that point in time. And we had thirty-one cows, and thought yeah. that was a lot. And and how many cows would you milk a day now? Oh, about 85 of them yeah. a couple times a day. And oh. the barn's set for 100 cows. So when we built the barn in 16, we moved from a barn that had 31 stalls to one that could accommodate 100 cows. It's the way it is. Oh. And, you know, now we have milking parlors. Robots milk cows. So what's changed? Technology. Yeah. And the size of farms. When we think of the way we farm today, when we either talk about planting Years ago, if you could ever plant 30 acres in a day, it was a big day. Today, you can plant 300 and more. Harvesting, the same thing. We used to harvest 10 acres a hay a day. Now you can harvest in excess of 100 a day. And that will only continue. The value of everything, the value of land, of machinery, of technology, and it will only increase. Anything else that's been beneficial or that's helped you out over the years with your cows? Our cows would request to listen to Phil Maine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. On, a- on AM, though. There was never any other radio station but CKNX AM, believe me. Yeah. My For Cliff and Evelyn especially, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Don't get me wrong, I've always had so much respect for you since I was a kid. But you're a brute for punishment. You went from farming to politics. Why? <laughs> what, 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 what were you thinking? I, I could well, give answers to that, but they're not appropriate. <laughs> well, Van and I have always wanted to give back to our community. Yeah. And Huron County has been so good to us. We met in Junior Farmers, here in County Junior Farmers. We both were beneficiaries of the 4-H program, as have our children been, and now our grandchildren. We were always involved in, in other aspects of the business, uh, breed associations, Holstein Ontario, Holstein Canada. And this opportunity, when Curtis come into the business, as I mentioned earlier, it's very important for the next generation to take over, the older generation has to back up. And so being involved in municipal and county politics, municipal politics, was a way for us to give back. And when I say us, I may be the front. However, Vanda's a support. No man ever accomplished anything with a good woman beside him, mm-hmm. not behind him. Right. And Vanda's a great support to me. And absolutely, I could have never accomplished... And had the experiences in my life. Van and I have traveled the world judging dairy cattle all over the world, Australia, New Zealand, and many other countries. That would not have been possible without Vanda's support in the family. Mm. And so politics was a, a natural evolution that offered the opportunity to give back to our community that's been so good to us. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about, I'll ask you first, what's your favorite thing about being the warden's wife? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question, Phil. <laughs> Isn't it, though? 
<laughs> oh golly, to give back to the community yeah. and just be involved and uh, and be there to support Glenn in in what he's doing on a daily basis because yeah. it's a full time commitment. And as the warden, are there moments that uh, you've only done it for how long? A couple of years now? Yeah, three. Three. Do you have some favorite moments already, things that really stand out that you're just really proud of or really enjoyed? Oh, absolutely, and it would be the experiences and the interaction and giving back in a meaningful way. And one thing that I will identify is that we have an increased population of homelessness, and that is something that we cannot turn our back on, and we always have to do what is right for those that are less privileged than us. And at Huron County Council, we have taken initiatives to help with the homelessness situation. It's not going to go away, and I've never accomplished anything in life that I haven't addressed. Homelessness is something that as a county council, we are addressing, and we are moving forward with initiatives of housing and wraparound services that will help those individuals that find themselves in that situation. Yeah, I know you spend your life with cows, but you're a people person too. Like you, you love your relationships. Life is all about relationships, and you know whether it's in a marriage, partnership, business, interaction with individuals. That's been the best part about this podcast. Oh, it really has. Forming yeah. new ones, building stronger relationships with yeah. ones that already existed. We've learned an awful lot doing this <laughs> in the last yeah. six months. It's been great. This is a really amazing way for Phil, Allie, what you're doing. You're giving back on all of the experiences that you've had in your working career. Giving back to future generations. They'll look at this and say, really? Wow. We hope. They already do that when they look at Phil. It's just not quite (laughs) the same tone. (laughs) My wife, ladies and gentlemen. That's (laughs) Is there anything that on your way here or that in thinking about this thing coming up that you were hoping we might talk about that we maybe haven't, that you want to? I think you've encapsulated it, Phil, when you commented of of how amazing Huron County is. We live in a great part of the world. Amen. Huron County is the number one agricultural producing value county in Ontario. We are blessed to have rich topsoil, to live in the Great Lakes Basin, to have the environment and temperature to grow crops, to have livestock. We are the breadbasket of the world, and we're privileged to live in Huron County. The lakeshore that we have, 80 kilometers of lakeshore in Huron County. The sunsets Mm. are second to none. (laughs) We have an airport in Huron County. Of all the businesses, Ben Miller Inn and Spa. Yeah. Grain elevators. We're so blessed. Yeah. Amen to that. And the town and the residents that make up Huron County. I'm going to end with a new thing. So I'm going to ask you all both five questions with yep. one-word answers or two-word answers, and you just Perfect. have to answer as fast as you can. So yep. you want to start with Vanda? Yep. Okay. Okay. And just as fast as you can, all right? Okay. What's your favorite song? My mind just went blank. I don't know. It's <laughs> a one. good song. Favorite school subject? What's that? Favorite subject in school? English. Uh, ever skydive? No. What's your lucky number? 12. Ever have a nickname? Bam Bam. Bam Bam. <laughs> uh, Glenn, what's your favorite it. color? Blue. Favorite thing for breakfast? Watermelon. Do you have a favorite movie? Titanic. Cats or dogs? Cats. Any tattoos? None. <laughs> You're good. Why I, I would have been so intrigued if there was one. 
like, go on. Oh, dear. Uh, Glenn and uh, Van Why couldn't you? I think of a song? <laughs> because you're put on the spot. You're like me. That's the whole My idea. My brain yeah, stops exactly. working. Can you think of one now? Four Strong Winds, because you know what? That's one I sang years and years and years and years ago. Did you sing it here on no, Circle Eight Ranch? No, I didn't sing it here, but I did it. Because you did lot. dance on Circle Eight Ranch or something, right? Circle Eight Ranch. That's an old one, but that one was just. Oh, it's a great song. (laughs) Glenn and Van McNeil, warden, farmer, and uh, good neighbors and friends, thank you for coming in today. Thank you very much for this opportunity, Van, and I really value it. All the best in your future together. Well, that's our podcast for this week. Before we take off, though, if this podcast means something to you, we would be so grateful if you'd take just a minute to do us a huge favor and follow or subscribe to A Life That's Good. That's a win-win because then you never miss the chance to tune in and we always have the pleasure of having had you tune in. And of course, it plays a huge role in helping us grow and develop this labor of love for the place we call home. To make that happen, just visit a Life That's Good podcast homepage on Spotify for podcasters or just wherever you're listening right now. It could be Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. It's everywhere. Click on the follow button. Sometimes that has a little plus sign beside it. That really helps us, and we'd love it if you'd give us a rating while you're there. Maybe make a comment or share our show with a friend. It just means so much more than you know. Thanks to Lion X Productions for our theme music. Until next time, my friend, I hope you have have a life that's good.